welcome to the Rooflines podcast, produced by Virginia Realtors, where we serve up real talk about real estate in Virginia. On each episode, we break down trends in the housing market and help you make sense of what's going on in Virginia's real estate industry and what's on the horizon. Today on Rooflines, we're going to discuss missing middle housing. From where this term came from, what exactly is this type of housing, and why is it missing in the first place? There's a lot to unpack with this topic from affordability and supply benefits, and also various zoning techniques that can facilitate missing middle housing. So this will be a multi-part series. Today though, we're just scratching the surface on this topic. We'll get more into the implementation and examples from communities right here in Virginia on future episodes. So be sure to check those out when they drop. Hi there, and welcome to Rooflines. I'm Ryan Price, Chief Economist with Virginia Realtors. And today is exciting because we have our first guest joining us here on Rooflines. David Christiel is here today uh, to talk about missing middle housing. David is currently the Director of Housing and Community Development for the City of Gaithersburg, Maryland, and the former Housing Director for Arlington County, Virginia. Hey, David, welcome to Rooflines. Hey, Ryan, how are you today? Doing good, doing good. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time out to join us. I'm excited to to dive into this topic with you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited as well. You know, this is an area that's been talked about for a long time. Uh, missing mills popping up all over the region and in many communities around the country. Agreed. Yeah, we've been hearing a lot about it. And it's uh, it's starting to become more common, you know, in community plans and housing initiatives. And you know, David, the, the inventory of housing, the overall supply is so low across much of Virginia. So I think it will be uh, increasingly important really to understand what this type of housing is and how it could be a critical part of the overall housing stock. You know, exactly. I think you framed it pretty well. It's an important part of the housing stock and there's a lot, of, and there's not a lot of it to be honest. And it's not just, I know your, your audience, you're talking mainly in Virginia, but it's also an issue in the District of Columbia and it's also a big issue here in Maryland as well. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a widespread issue. And you know, I guess that's why they call it missing, right? It's uh, the missing middle housing, not just middle housing. It's definitely missing. Yeah, no, you're pretty much, you're right. So David, I think, I think a good place for us to start is to define what missing middle housing is for our listeners. So what exactly are we talking about here? What is missing middle housing? Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's it gets bandied about a lot. and But it's really, it's an umbrella term for almost any type of housing that is less dense than a large or a multifamily building, but more dense than a single family detached home. And it's really important here um, to remember that density doesn't necessarily equate to the size of building, but it's really could include the number of units in the structure, the size of the lots it sits on. So the, the middle in the term missing middle is, is referring to a type of housing that lies in the middle of the density spectrum between um, the single family houses, detached houses, um, that you typically see in single-family neighborhoods, and then the sort of more dense um, high-rise, mid-rise apartment buildings that you might see, say, along a transit corridor or a metro station or in the downtowns of many large cities. Got it. Okay. So, so missing middle housing is larger than single-family homes, but smaller than high-rise apartment buildings? Yeah, it certainly can be, and, and much of it is, but there's also missing middle housing that's the same size or even smaller than a single family detached home. It's really more about the number of units uh, in a structure necessarily than the size. Okay, I see. 
so if there was like a detached home and it was designed to have say two or three separate units within it, then that would be uh, considered missing middle housing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's one of the many that's one of the many examples. Um, like the duplexes, which, like you say, there are two homes um, that are you know together have a shared wall. Triplexes, which are three homes again shared wall joined together, and they can be either horizontally or vertically. There's fourplexes in some places. Another prime example are townhouses where you can have stacked towns. So instead of townhouses one next to each other, they can be stacked on top of each other. All right. Yeah, we have a a lot of townhomes in some parts of. Uh, Virginia, and they seem to be gaining traction in other communities as well. What other types of housing would be considered missing middle? I think another small type, and this is has been talked about a lot in Arlington, are really the small multifamily buildings. These are like the old garden style apartments, which are typically two or three story buildings. Uh, sometimes they have an open stairwell, and they've also some of them have really nice courtyard or the courtyard style buildings. Okay, got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so these tend to be pretty small scale structures. Yeah, they they really are, and you know when you see them, when you think about the missing middle apartment buildings, they usually have anywhere from four, roughly four to sixteen units in them. Whereas a high rise or mid rise apartments, they can have hundreds of units in them. Wow, that's a that's a pretty big difference. Um, so David, I know missing middle housing exists in communities all over Virginia, but why is there not a lot of it? You know, why is it considered missing from the housing stock? Well, I think you're right. It, it, the, the missing middle stock that's all over the place was probably built in the last century. Uh, but you probably notice it again, it's relatively old. And this is because, again, it was really it was built kind of in the pre-war, post-World -war, War II era. But the production, the new production of this housing stock in the U.S. has been rare since the mid-1940s is really, um, again, you've got the, the two forms that are predominant, either A, the single family homes that are developed in, in, in most of the part of the country, and then in the downtown areas, uh, old cities, new cities, it really is the, the more uh, multifamily, um, high rise, mid rise forms. Right, so the, the single family uh, development you talked about, that's, is that suburbanization that, that we experience in our country? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you, you know, the, the sort of after the Second World War in the 1940s, it really didn't stop for decades. I mean, there was GI Bill, and so it was really this spread of single family homes, uh, detached homes in outside most of large cities today, which is, is like you say, suburbanization. So let me ask you this. Why do you think uh, the production of missing middle housing stopped? I mean, why wasn't it built sort of in addition to the, you know, the single family detached uh, suburb boom that we experienced? Why weren't they built at the same time? Right. I think that's that's a great question, Ryan. And I think it's really complicated to be to answer, to be honest. It was still being built, but as I mentioned, it became more and more rare. I think it's really due to a combination of factors from changing preferences in the market to restrictive zoning ordinances to some federal policies that promoted the, sing, the production of single family homes. I don't think there's a single answer for this shift, but it really was a series of factors that led to slower production, slower production over time. Okay, yeah, it sounds like there's a lot going into that that uh, kind of slowed it down, but you know, there's a lot of buzz now about missing middle housing. What are some of the benefits of missing middle housing? By producing more missing middle housing type, it creates not only more housing overall, but importantly, more housing options, different types of housing for buyers and renters. 
And options are important because there's not a standard type of housing that meets the needs of everyone. So it's healthy for a community to have a wide range of housing options. We'll still have the single family homes. We'll still have the high rise and mid rise multifamily homes, but really it's this middle piece that will help us expand options. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so, you know, it's becoming more popular now because it's sort of a way to increase not only the supply, but importantly, the options, right? So it's increasing the options. Right. And I think it's, you know, this is, this raises a good point. It, it, we're talking a lot about supply, but I think another important factor in play is really affordability. And so it's for, for a lot of people, single family homes are, you know, they're, they're, they're very expensive, too expensive. And then on the multifamily side, sometimes those are too expensive too. So this idea of missing middle is, is really um, addressing an affordability issue. It may not be income restricted housing per se, like capital A, capital H affordable housing, but really in this middle range of affordability. Yeah, for sure, uh, David. And, you know, affordability is a huge issue. You know, it seems like missing middle housing could be a good fit for a lot of price sensitive, maybe first time home buyers or even seniors looking to downsize into a smaller home. Yep, that's that's exactly two of the markets I think you're you're we're pointing to. Missing middle housing is a great option for first time buyers and seniors. When I was working in Arlington, we had a lot of seniors living in this type of housing. The units with single level floor plans and less expensive than detached homes. They also make great starter homes for, for new buyers, as you mentioned. So David, we touched on some of the benefits, you know, from increasing the housing supply and housing diversity to providing, you know, more affordable options in the market. Are there other benefits to, to missing middle housing that listeners should be aware of? Yeah, I think back to the forum, you know, Ryan, this is a benefit that comes to mind, this whole issue of scale. So missing middle housing is typically at the scale that's compatible with single family detached homes. And this is very important when we think about sense of place and the spatial context of a community. Not many people want a big, huge apartments next to the single family homes. And there's a reason that most zoning codes prohibit this from happening. Missing middle is more compatible with low density neighborhoods. And because of this, it's really a more flexible housing. It can fit nicely in existing neighborhoods, doesn't need a lot of new infrastructure, and it also tends to be more simple to construct than the other large multifamily style buildings. Oh, that's certainly an important benefit. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, you know, scale and compatibility is huge when we think about community planning and maintaining character of a place. And, uh, you know, this has been a great discussion, David. I really am appreciative of you joining us today and uh, hope to expand on it more. Sure. Absolutely, Ryan. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, thanks for having me on this podcast. As I mentioned before to our listeners, uh, this is Missing Middle Housing topic. You know, it's uh, a big topic and it's going to be a, a multi-part series here on Rooflines. So keep an eye out for future episodes where we'll dig into some of the implementation strategies that communities around Virginia are using to facilitate missing middle housing production and some examples on the ground here in the Commonwealth. David, you know I can't uh, let you go without trying to stump you with a quiz. It's kind of a roof lines tradition. Here we go. Oh, wow, a quiz. Okay, I'm up for that. Let's see what you got. Okay, David, are you ready for your quiz? All right, Ryan, ready or not, here we go. Okay, so we've talked a lot about different types of housing today, from single-family detached homes to townhomes, to multifamily housing. So my question for you is this, over the last five years, so from 2016 to 2021, 
what proportion of home sales in Virginia were not single family detached homes? So other property types like townhomes or condos. Hmm. I think it's probably pretty low. What about, uh, I don't know, since it's, uh, since I'm in the, the time of um, more simple math, how about one out of three? Maybe <laughs> 33% your guess, final answer? Yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. It's a good guess, David, but it's actually less than that. Uh, less than a quarter, 24% of all homes sold in Virginia over the past five years were townhomes or condo sales. I guess I was a little bit off. <laughs> As we close out this episode of Rooflines, here's your smart stat, a new statistic you can use to impress your friends at your next barbecue. Today's number is 2,534. This is the average square footage of a new single family home in the United States in 2021, according to the Census Bureau. This is more than double the size of a new single family home back in 1940, which was a little under 1,200 square feet on average. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Rooflines, real talk about real estate in Virginia. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to Rooflines on your favorite podcast platform. If you have ideas for future podcast topics, please share those with us by emailing rooflines at virginiarealtors.org.